Life is uncertain. It's okay to feel stressed, anxious, worried, or frustrated. CalHOPE can help. Access CalHOPE's free and secure mental health resources. Call 833-317-4673 or live chat at calhope.org. You heard a little bit earlier and you've been hearing in our news breaks. Um, there was the siege underway in Queensland after a police officer was shot and killed. Um, obviously, they're trying to end it safely up there and the accused is holed up. But also last night was part two of the damning report into the Lindt Cafe siege. Did you see it? Did you sit down and watch it? I'd love you to tell me what you think. You can call on 1300 891. Look, if you missed it, here's when the negotiators were talking to one of the hostages. Peter, Peter, the negotiator. Yes, he calls from this number. Hello, who's this? It's Jared. Oh, Jared, how are you going? And they've been talking to Peter. The lead negotiator, Peter, had never handled a siege with hostages. Basically, the guy just says to me that if you don't have the flag, don't bother calling again. If you don't have the flag, don't call again. Yes. And how would you get this number, Jared? This is the number you've been calling off. I have to go. Goodbye. Okay, bye. And you have one side of the conversation where um, Peter, the negotiator, is trying to say something, and then you have Monis, but they're not communicating at all. It's just a one-way street here and a one-way street here, and there's no communication. It was incredibly frustrating because it felt like nothing was happening. So let's talk about negotiation. Uh, good morning, David Olney, who is associate at Sage International, which provides high-end geopolitical analysis and risk assessment and also has knowledge on these contemporary security issues. How are you, David? Well, thank you. Good morning, uh, Ali. Did you actually watch last night's um, episode of Four Corners? I did, and I sat there feeling profoundly disappointed, but not at all surprised. Right. Why weren't you surprised then? Because what we've seen is a transition since 9-11 from police containing situations to having to move towards actively engaging in situations. And even though we you know, occasionally have sieges in Australia, in the main containment works, we've not had the experience here of the transition to actively engaging quickly and my assumption was even in 2014 when it happened that once we got to night time and nothing had happened once we got to midnight and nothing had happened that they were unable to change gear and become active participants in what was going on so i think i might know what you mean by containing but can you just define what it is and that whole idea of containment is in this in a hostage situation Certainly. Traditionally, what Western police forces have done in the last few decades is simply say, right, let's make sure this person can't move from here. Let's make sure we can keep them in one spot. They can't, you know, move in terms of resources. They can't move in terms of location. They just have to be kept still. And we will just keep talking to them until they get bored out of their mind and realise that this can only end, you know, two ways. Either everyone comes out or we sit here until the end of time. So they're really trying to bore them out? and they're Right. That's essentially what it comes down to is that if you keep talking to someone you're making it clear, look, we're just going to stay out here. We'll rotate through shifts. We're going to be here tomorrow. We're about everyone getting out of here safely. So let's keep talking about what the safe way to bring this to an end is. And most people who start a siege aren't out to die or kill anyone. They're out to be listened to or to have a demand heard, but it's not normally a demand about national security 
and their aim is not normally to die or take someone with them. So when we swap to a terrorist situation, we are an entirely different territory. So I'll get to the come back to that in a moment. But at one stage, the, one of the hostages tried to ring the negotiators, and no one answered the phone. They tried four times to ring, and there was a shift change, and no one was answering the phones. Now, uh, I saw that as fairly unforgivable. But then I'm not an expert. Um, it was amateur hour. It was pathetic. The idea that a phone like like that isn't monitored by at least two people and that there's not Overwatch that's constantly listening for any activity on that line and that it was conceivable that that line couldn't be answered. The fact that, you know, that's not sort of sacking offences is beyond me. When's the most dangerous time of a siege? Is the it... most dangerous time is basically after midnight because people start to get really tired and if you've only got one perpetrator, they have to try and stay awake. It's hard to stay awake. They start to hallucinate. They start to doze. And that's when they're likely to do something really crazy. Mm -hmm. So let's get to this whole idea of negotiating with a terrorist then. And you said that, you know, it needs to move maybe from that containment idea. So what should people or what should negotiation look like then? Negotiation should really be about, well, if you're a terrorist rather than, you know, someone running a siege because you want to be listened to for some other reason, how serious is this terrorist? Who do they claim affiliation to? Now, in the case of Monus, where he would not speak directly with the negotiators, you have to go back to what data have you got? Well, as we saw from Four Corners over two weeks, New South Wales police had masses of data which they failed to use effectively. And they had a psychiatrist who apparently had no current training. Um, Andrew, one of the texters says, look, I know the situation in Queensland is different to the Lint Cafe siege that we're talking about, but when there is someone who um, has shot and killed a policeman and there are no hostages, does the negotiation change at all and should it just be a little bit more forceful? It's not even a question of forceful. Containment will work. The person is contained in a very limited location. Mm -hmm. This is a question where you do just take a week if necessary. Hmm. There is absolutely no reason to push hard in the siege in Queensland because there's nothing to be gained. No one's life is at risk at the moment and eventually that person will get so tired or run out of food or run out of water and unless they threaten self-harm, there's not a reason to act. If they threaten self-harm, then you have to decide how serious they are and what kind of action to take. Mm -hmm. It's 13 minutes past nine and on ABC Radio Adelaide you're listening to David Olney who is Associate at SAGE International which does a lot of geopolitical analysis and risk assessment and also looks into these contemporary security issues and we're looking at the idea of negotiation and whether or not you can and should we negotiate with terrorist hostage takers. Um, David, what sort of person should a negotiator be? What sort of skills do they need? Ideally it has to be someone who is not so conditioned to the world of containment which most police officers trained, you know, before 9-11 are, and most police officers trained since then are still, you know, trained too much towards containment rather than action. Um, you really need someone that is a lot more open-minded, able to adapt, able to use the script when it works, but to assess amongst the negotiation team when the script is failing to work anymore. And what was clear from Four Corners is there was no reassessment that the script wasn't working. Their strategy was failing. He would not talk to them. And what about listening skills? 
Do you need to be an active listener? Is it, I mean, because I'll be honest, the only thing I know about hostage negotiation is stuff I see on movies, you know, and they always make yeah. a big deal out of trying to build a rapport or trying to get something if they're going to give something or whatever it might be. Well, again, active listening skills would be a must. The fact that, you know, we have a negotiator asking one of the hostages, oh, where did you get this number? The sheer irrelevance of that question when throughout the day all the phone calls, all the interaction have been the hostages using their phones ringing that number once they had it. It fits the pattern. Now, there's a need to keep people on the phone, but you're talking to a hostage, not to the hostage taker. So why keep them on the phone? You've got a listening device in the building. So what we're seeing here too is a combination of the negotiators doing a great imitation of amateur hour, as well as the technology failing in that the listening devices weren't working properly, the snipers were not able to communicate effectively with command, and there appeared to be no effective communication strategy from the police force as a whole to the command centre to go, all right, Monas isn't talking, but we have all this previous information on him. We know he tendencies towards violence. Um, I've got a couple of texts, uh, David, that are saying, oh, look, these things are so simple with the 2020 hindsight, aren't they? Is there somebody that does this well? Is there a country that has been able to adapt their strategies really, really well in this space? Yes. Now, in 2020 vision, everything becomes easier, but you also have to take hard decisions in real time. That's part of this world of negotiating and dealing with terrorist sieges. The British have been dealing with this because of the IRA mm. and other situations since the early 1970s, and their ability to switch between containment and being active is extremely good. Now, based on the fact that we would have close relations, being that they're a close ally, that we share intelligence with them, we probably second each other's personnel to get training and experience. And the fact that we hadn't learnt more is astounding. Another text was saying the only person that seemed to have negotiation skills was the 23-year-old barista. Give him the manage, uh, terrorism management job. Um, one of the other instances that happened in the Lint Cafe was that uh, Man Monis was getting increasingly agitated about the Christmas lights. And the response from authorities was, oh, yeah, we're trying, but they're council lights. That, to me... I, I don't know, could it, another option have been to say, look, if we're going to pull them down, we'll have to come out and do it ourselves and then do it, you know, or something else. I mean, it just sounds like... Put it this way, it could have been deliberate time-wasting. Okay. In that I don't know precisely what kit New South Wales Tactical Police have, mm. how effectively they could have functioned in no light. If the job had been handed over to any of the Special Forces units available, they could have worked in total darkness and been fine. So there I don't know if it's time-wasting, buying time, or an inability to function in the conditions they're about to go into. And again, none of these questions were really effectively answered in the coroner's report. David Olney, where do you and SAGE International do most of your work providing you know this type of analysis and contemporary security issues? The majority in Australia, a little bit in the Middle East, a little bit in Africa, and a little bit throughout Asia. What's it like to work in Africa? Uh, I haven't been to Africa. John's been to Africa. Uh -huh. He really likes the place and finds it fascinating because it's a place that's got such a can-do attitude mm. after you know, sort of the imperial experience and then post-colonisation and now getting on their feet and now working out how to be economically viable, how to build stable democracies, how to build thriving societies. It's, despite starting from such a low level, such a 
positive and enthusiastic place. Mm. Well, David Olney, it sounds like you have a fascinating role. Thank you very much for your time this morning. Thank you, Alex. Uh, one of the associates at Sage International there. Now, that standoff in Queensland is still ongoing in the Lockyer Valley, which is just west of Brisbane. Police have surrounded the farmhouse where the gunman is held up after shooting and killing that police officer yesterday.